Welcome, listeners, to the third episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Bernhards, and I am glad to once more be joined by the powerful wizards Robin Svensson and Christopher Wikström. Listeners, it is good to have you here. Hello, hello. Today, uh, as usual, uh, we will discuss the paper legacy we have played in the last week. Uh, as you know, uh, this legacy is ancient in terms of metagame, as Modern Horizons 2 is not legal in paper before 18th June. Uh, however, if people are creative, there might be certain levels of testing after 11 June, which is the start of pre-release, uh, and that means that we can get our hands on the new cardboard. Uh, from our side, we will look at both old classics and new inventions and see how Modern Horizons 2 cards can fit in these decks. But before we get going, uh, we would like to sincerely thank Messrs. Julian Nab and Callum Smith of Everyday Eternal, as well as Messrs. Quinn Omori, Jeff Kinsey and Brian McBain of the Canadian Threshold. We have got some very nice shout outs from uh, these premium podcasters in the last week and it has helped more people find their way to us uh, we strongly encourage you to check out their podcasts if you haven't already uh, and uh, we would also like to say that it is the dedicated work of people like these guys with others such as the in response podcast living a legacy the dead format eternal dirtles legacy breakfast the eternal glory podcast all of these people inspire us to do this podcast. Uh, also, In Memoriam, the, the Tryhards podcast. I do miss those guys. Again, uh, thank you so much for your support in spreading the word about Stockholm Legacy Report. Yeah, great. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. All right, then. Paper Legacy, Ancient Times Edition, without the fancy new cards. Uh, as announced in last week's episode, I, I would not have time to shuffle cardboard this week, and I have kept that promise. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm preparing my summer house uh, for uh, legacy paper boot camps with lots of ale, uh, including you guys. So look forward to that. Uh, Robin, you have played, as I understand it, mostly new brews, uh, so we'll get to that later. But Christopher, you have been playing the old format. How did that go? So uh, I played uh, some of the old uh, boomer cards that might not be as good after the new set has dropped. Um, but to just briefly go through what I played, I played the uh, blue-black ninjas deck. Uh, I had a, an exam that ended the second our weekly Discord tournament began. So I just uh, took a break, uh, sleeved up the deck and played two rounds. I played against uh, Bant, Midrange, and uh, Blue Red Delver, and I think I just won both 2-0. I think Ninjas was a really good deck in the old format, and might have been a bit underplayed, but yeah, for sure, it's, it's, a, it's a very strong deck. Not sure how it's going to survive now, because I'm not really sure if it gained a lot from this new set. the new things. Um, one of the pinnacles of uh, the so-called Magic the Gathering sets that transformed Legacy in 2018 and 2019 uh, was Modern Horizons, of course. 
Uh, the set gave Legacy a lot of cards that are established staples today. Uh, of course, one could argue the pros and cons of this, but not today, Satan. We have more pressing matters to discuss, which is, of course, Modern Horizons 2. Uh, briefly, what do you guys say? Will Modern Horizons 2 be as avant-garde, as newfangled and cutting-edge as its older sibling? Robin? Well, it it looks like the power level is is uh, sort of on par up there. So yeah, I, I think it will uh, uh, change legacy a bit. Yeah, for sure. I I agree. And uh, I, before um, starting uh, today's recording, I just wanted to see what cards really came out during Modern Horizons because uh, lately on you know Twitter and on social media in general, we've seen a lot of cards uh, that just have seem to be popping off everything from uh, affinity decks to ragavan slash dragons channelers deck uh, so i was i was really curious like what did modern horizons actually have in it so i took a look and yeah they are <laughs> they are on par on power level we had like renan six force of negation urza hex drinker you know like just a lot of really good cards uh, quattle astrolabe engineer but I think I all uh, like, although we had a lot of bangers in Modern Horizons One, I'm still pretty certain that this new set is gonna be as strong. No, I agree. I think uh, looking at the initial uh, reactions from people and uh, the brief uh, stint of play, we should say we're recording this uh, in the morning of seventh uh, June uh, as a timestamp for that discussion. Um, it looks to be a very deep set. Uh, and broad uh, I think there might be uh, sleepers uh, in this set as well which I look forward to other people discovering so that I can uh, enjoy the playment uh, of these but it's time for us to put these cards uh, to work in decks uh, Robin from what Modern Horizons 2 uh, makes uh, makes the cut for you in your decks take it away thank you uh, yeah so uh, you guys remember 2017 when Reed Duke played the Noble Bug deck. It was a, a deck with eight mana dorks, the Shamans and the, the Noble Hierarchs, to uh, play on turn one and ramp out uh, turn two Haymaker. And uh, during that day, it was uh, the True Name Nemesis and the Leovolds that uh, were the Haymakers of the deck. That's like an archetype, I would say. A little bit of ramp and a little bit of uh, strong mid-range creatures. And uh, in... 2018, after the Shaman was banned, I was uh, playing a lot of uh, Rug Delver featuring Noble Hierarch, so it was a little bit of a bigger Delver. I think, uh, Christopher, some at some point you were calling it the big rug. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, I, I played a bit of uh, Canadian sometimes. Well, I'm, I fancy a Canadian threshold yeah. once in a while, and uh, when I played against this deck, I did not feel great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so that deck was uh, it, it was Delvers of course, but then there was the four Noble Hierarchs and uh, four True Name Nemesis uh, and a couple of uh, Hooting Mandrills to to top off the the mana curve. And uh, as you can see, all of those guys have some sort of evasion so that they can benefit from the Noble triggers. So that was sort of a deck in the same vein, I guess, as the as the Reduk. Read the Duke Noble Bug deck. I was discussing uh, that kind of deck with another podcast, uh, the Dead Format, when they broke out. They were discussing Noble Rock as well. 
And in 2020, the deck Pokepile had a had a similar sort of play style. Uh, it didn't run actual mana dwarfs, but uh, they were, it was using uh, Stifle as a ramp spell. So you would stifle your opponent's mana, and that way you would get ahead on mana, so that you could play your uh, Haymaker 2-drop or Haymaker 3-drop earlier than your opponent. So that's really an, an, an interesting archetype, in my opinion. And uh, there's a new interesting mana dork in uh, Modern Horizons 2, which I was uh, in the mood of brewing with. And no, I'm not talking about the new noble hierarch, I'm talking about Ragavan. The monkey. The shell that I have picked for this monkey, uh, which I actually just see as a, a, a mana dork with a potential upside. Um, so in 2019, I was working on a deck uh, that um, that evolved around Dreador Arcanist, and this was before it was uh, fully adopted by Delaware. I remember that the decks that were playing Dreador Arcanist at this time, they were trying to to cast. Uh, uh, the rhinos, the foot, the crashing uh, footfalls from from the grave, <laughs> and it was uh, more of a janky decks that used Dreadnought, and it wasn't really adopted by the uh, the lean Delver decks yet. Guilty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, it, hmm? I mean it, it was such a fun card before everyone noticed how broken it was, but uh, <laughs> 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 but this deck that I was working on, it it was four Arcanists. And for mentors, and then there was uh, something like eleven to twelve cantrips. Uh, so there was a playset of, of preordains, or almost a playset of preordains as well. And it was uh, seven to eight removal with both sorts of plowshares and lightning bolts. And uh, in our playgroup, we call this deck the the Jedi Knights because it <laughs> cleared the board with one CMC spot removal. So pew pew pew. And uh, it was running the most powerful creatures in Legacy at this time, in my opinion, at least. Uh, and I think it was you, Victor, that came up with this name. Yeah, I was thinking, like, uh, if you look at Jedis, uh, obviously that's a Boros. I mean, if Jedis were in, in, in Magic the Gathering when they arrive, I guess, at this point, <laughs> when they come to, <laughs> oh, come to Magic, uh, they, will be, they will be Boros. Uh, <laughs> and uh, in, in, I mean, the Mentors and, and Jedi Arcanists obviously are red and white humans. Yeah, uh, that are sort of small but used for powerful sabers uh, in some way, shape, or form. So uh, Jedi Knights. Also, the, the deck ran, ran uh, counter balance, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. It was such a nice brew. It was a nice brew, and uh, so of course the whole idea was to play your Arcanist on turn two, and then your Mentor on turn three. And what Arcanist did there was not only providing card advantage, it was also providing uh, free mana because you could flashback uh, a cantrip on your turn uh, three when, you're, when you already have played your mentor to, to get the token. So it, like, Arcanist actually was a, sort of a ramp spell in that shell. A and of course, uh, a credible potent uh, card advantage engine as well. Of course, this was not the deck anymore when Dread or Arcanist was banned. Uh, but now I'm thinking about this uh, sort of shell again for Ragavan, and uh, I, I think I need to start by saying that Ragavan is not a Dreadlord Arcanist by far, but maybe it is uh, a, a ramp creature that can uh, bridge into the matter. Um, because if you can play it on turn one and you can attack on turn two, then you have three mana uh, and you could play your mentor. And uh, possibly you can run away with the game from there. So I call this brew the the monkey monk. <laughs> so so it's a creature package of four monkeys, 
and four monks. And then there's uh, eight cantrips because you don't really need to play uh, the 12 one mana cantrips in this shell. Uh, but you probably need some sort of uh, draw twos. So I think you play something along the lines of three to four, or what is it called? Expressive iteration. Uh, or uh, depending on how your, how your creatures line up, you can also play off one mind. Uh, and then you play uh, a removal package, uh, 7 to 8 removals, and uh, counter spells, 7 to 8 counter spells. And I also think that you should play two Narsets in this build. And then there's 19 lands, and then you have room for somewhere along 3 to 6 other cards. So uh, why would you think that Narset uh, fits here? Well, uh, Narset is a really good turn 2 spell. That was like the pinnacle of the Pokemoki deck. Uh, you, like you stifle your opponent's fetch, <laughs> and you, you, you play the Dread Arcanist on turn 2, and then on turn 3 you can slam the Narset and, uh, and get an impulse with it and, and, and stifle your opponent's uh, like progress with cantrips and such. And, and I think Narset can also create some interesting play patterns where if your opponent have a creature to pressure your Narset, they cannot pull it back to, to block the, the monkey. So they have to make a choice between like having it back and blocking the monkey or pressuring the Narset. And I think that's... I, I like to put my opponent in that, those kind of situations where they have to think about mm -hmm. what to do. And then, so there's like a, a few flex spots that can be tested and tuned here. And uh, uh, one cool idea, I think, is to play Mother of Runes in this shell. And it was suggested by the user Hanny uh, on the, the Boomer magic site, The Source. <laughs> so <laughs> that's uh, another human uh, that can help uh, enable the of one mind. And uh, Mother of Runes is, of course, very strong to protect your mentor, but can, it can also, in the early game, just give Ragawan protection so that you can connect with it, which is real cool. And uh, you could also play Snapcaster, another human, and you could play Young Pyromancer, uh, which also, also is a human for one mind. Young Pyromancer, very much a Jedi card as well, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and then you maybe want some like top-end creatures, uh, and I'm thinking maybe you play the the uh, ethereal forager uh, for card advantage or the new murktide regent uh, as a more powerful beater uh, because you're not using your grave at all for, with these cards uh, so so um, when thinking about the card advantage package here um, there's this idea if you play expressive iteration to also play a playset of uh, bubbles because if you play the expression the iteration on on turn two um, you rarely can get the full value out of it. But if you play Bubbles, you could exile a Bubble and play that in the same turn. And Bubble is also uh, nice with the Mentor, because when you play it on turn two, you can trigger it at immediately with a Bubble. And there's also some a little bit of niche interaction with Ragavan, where you can like look at your opponent's top card and see if it's worth dashing in with Ragavan. Uh, to play it. Ooh, that's <laughs> fancy. What do you have? What do you have? I don't know, Dash. I, I want that. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's so that's, cute. Yeah, it's very cute. And and uh, I, I truly see the, that uh, <laughs> play your opponent's card from Ragavan as a bonus. It's not really what it's there for, but it, it's, so, it's such a fun thing to, to play around with.
So I've been uh, testing this, this deck a little bit and I started out with testing a uh, uh, build with two mother's rooms and uh, four uh, of one mind and three young pyromancers which uh, it was a heavy um, go wide team <laughs> and I happened to face lands and it was really rough to try to fight through a tabernacle with no wastelands <laughs> and, and these creatures too. And I also have uh, had no flyers and no bouncers, didn't play any Teferis or something like that, and no wastelands for the dark depth. So it was, uh, yeah, I really needed a busted start to have a, to have a chance against that deck. Uh, and and that made me think that the, the threat suit should probably a little be a little bit more diverse than than pyromancers and mentors. So so like a top heavy flyer or something like that would be really good. And uh, that also made me think that when, as soon as you played your mentor, you don't really want to play more guys. You just want to play cantrips, removals, and hold up your counter spells. So I think that all your supplementary threats they need to be blue, so that you can pitch them to force of will or force of negation. Mm -hmm. uh, because, right. yeah, because all your other blue cards, you just want to cycle through them. If you have a, a ponder, you can't keep it in your hand uh, to pair it with your force of will. You need to play it to trigger the mentor. So I need to play it, but I mean, you probably want to play it. So I think that the Delve guys is really good supplementary threats here, because if you don't need them, you can just keep them and pitch them to Force of Will. With Mentor in play, you have this really nice uh, pseudo-invisible text at the end of each cantrip that says, kill your opponent, question mark. Yeah, and I think exactly. it's very, very good to just see if that's the case. Yeah, exactly. And and uh, I think you, you might end up in a lot of situations where you have a force of will in hand, but you have already spent your mana on cantrips, and then you end up with like a, a Mother of Rune as your last card or something like that. That's really boring. So, yeah, I, I think um, I, I, I changed the deck a little bit for the next testing and uh, removed the Mother Runes and uh, Young Pyromancers for... Uh, for whales uh, to to sort of uh, give a little bit more of card advantage and to be a blue card to pitch and I also uh, played a combination of expressive iteration and of one mind to to draw even more cards because that's what magic is all about <laughs> and uh, yeah we played something like six games I played with Christopher uh, we played six games something like that yesterday and, uh, it's an even number, and uh, unfortunately, it was a tie. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it, there were some really good games, but uh, most of them were pretty one-sided, I think. And I, that's that's sort of how this deck is. I think that either you have a really busted start and you just run your opponent over, or it doesn't really do anything. Uh, so uh, that's a little bit comes with the comes with the territory, and. Um, uh, another little tech that I have been thinking about that, but I don't think really will work, is to play portent, uh, because that can also set up a ragawan dash <laughs> to look at your opponent's top three cards. And <laughs> but it, it's really bad in in uh, in a mentor chain, so I don't think it will be playable in this shell. So yeah, that's uh, that's my little brew for this week. No, but that's very nice. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very happy that you uh, chose to brew with uh, the monkey not in a Delver shell. Uh, I mean, because that's what everyone else is doing, and that's uh, the obvious thing. It's probably a good thing, uh, but it's also very boring. Uh, <laughs> brewing it, brewing with baubles uh, and Jedi Knights. Uh, I, I salute this. 
yeah, I really like this deck. I've uh, I've played against it since the first uh, Jedi iteration deck, and now when it's the Monkey Monk, uh, it's uh, <laughs> uh, well the deck that I I played against it. I'm gonna go into it a bit later because it's also brew. But uh, when there were situations where I thought I don't think I'm gonna lose this, and then it just flipped on me, and yeah, it was, it, it was really crazy and impressive. It's really powerful when it when it gets on board. It's really hard to fight it. Yeah, I guess my my only like caveat when it comes to the monkey is that uh, it it has been a little bit um, uh, as an uncertain mana source <laughs> to be to be completely clear. And if if you need a removal to make it connect, you're not really getting three mana on turn two. So that's something worth thinking about if 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 it is a good ramp spell in this shell or if it's not but it was fun to test monks are monking around uh, but uh, Christopher uh, you have uh, recognized yourself and you are recognized by your friends as a true brewer we have a new potentially very powerful set out what stirs in your pot so uh, before I get into the brew that I've uh, picked out for today uh, I tend to brew a lot when new sets come out especially now when I recently had my last exams and uh, there are too many brews to fit into one episode. So I'm going to try and have a real brewer summer where I will talk a bit about the brew as much as I can here on the podcast. So there are a lot of cards that really uh, stirs my pot, if you say. Um, But the deck that I brought today is a deck that uh, I brew together with a friend at the beginning of uh, Modern Horizons 1. Uh, I teamed up with a fellow Venschwein lover, Andre Pankhurst, and uh, we uh, built the first version of this deck uh, as a rug deck. And I'm gonna go into the cards now. I just wanted to give a little bit of uh, a small shout out to my fellow brewer, Andre. But the deck that I'm that I am playing and that I played yesterday against Robin is called uh, Tradevine, and uh, the creature package is four Noble Hierarch, four Basking Rootwalla, four Venchvine, four Hollow One, four Bazaar Trade Mage, and this is from Modern Horizons One. It's two and a blue for a free four flyer, and uh, <laughs> shout out to all you Serendib Jin fans out there. And uh, when it ETBs, it makes you. Draw two cards and discard three, just like in Bizarre Activation. And this deck also plays free Endurance, which is also a new card from Modern Horizons 2. It's two, uh, one and two green for a free for elemental incarnation with flash and reach that puts the target opponent's, uh, oh, target player's graveyard on the bottom of their deck in a random order on ETB. But it also has Evoke if you pitch a green card. So it's actually 
really good quick accidental graveyard hate in game one. Uh, then I'm playing Free Master of Death, which is also a new card. That's one, a black and a blue for a free one zombie wizard. That surveils two on ETB. Um, Surveil hasn't really seen a lot of legacy play before Modern Horizons 2, uh, but it's pretty much a scry. But rather than putting it on the bottom or top of your library, you can choose between the top uh, or your graveyard. And if you're unfamiliar with Surveil, I think there's a one drop in this set that might uh, familiarize you with it. <laughs> um, uh, however, uh, Master of Death acts as a recursive engine uh, due to the last text of the card, which is pretty squee-esque. Uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, if Master of Death is in your graveyard, you may pay one life. If you do, return it to your hand. So this plays really well with the Trade Mage, as you can just throw it in the bin and fish it up <laughs> during your upkeep. But it also smooths your draws with Surveil, uh, trades with some creatures, and also helps to trigger your Venge Vines in those drawn-out games. So the rest of the deck is 4 Brainstorm, 4 Once Upon a Time, 4 Force of Will, 4 Days. 3 Tropical Island, 2 Underground Sea, 2 Island, one forest paired with 10 fetches. Uh, the sideboard is a bit uh, underworked right now, but it's so far two carpets, two veil, one oof, two decay, two brazen borrower, one court of cunning, two force of negation, and three plague engineer. Uh, I think I mentioned it in the last episode. I'm the plague engineer guy. I put them in every single black deck I have. It's too too bad that sort of if you win a, a huge championship, your invitational card has already been made. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean it's it's really cool. I I didn't think of that when we played that you played no decay in the main deck and just two decay in the sideboard. That's uh, uh, that blows my mind actually. <laughs> uh, it might be a design feature or flaw. Um, when when uh, an early mentor resolved, it felt like the latter. Uh, but uh, yeah, so this deck um, is is quite cool uh, due to bizarre trade mage that came in Modern Horizons One. Uh, as I mentioned, the ETB is a bizarre activation, and it's on a really big body. So you discarding free cards really enables you to cast. Uh, Basking Rootwalla via uh, Madness or a Hollow One for free, and now you also have the uh, the added decision of going Evoke Endurance to get those Venge Vines into play. But this deck also it can play a pretty good fair game of just playing, flashing out Endurance, casting Venge Vines, and just have a really good grindy plan. Uh, but generally. I would say that this is a pretty aggressive deck. Um, as I mentioned, uh, I brewed this together with Andre, and when they banned Renan 6, which was in our first rug version, uh, he actually added the black splash uh, way before I did. Uh, I kept it uh, straight uh, blue-green, but uh, there are some very cool uh, design options that you have available, uh, such as Cable therapies, uh, maybe a small zombie package, especially now with the with the new uh, Master of Death, uh, you can 
there are a million iterations to this deck that you can try out. And it plays very differently than Hogak, uh, Hogak decks in general, although they have some, some familiar play patterns. This is, I would say, dare say, uh, a much more aggressive deck that's not as graveyard sensitive to hate. Um, so yeah, this is um, this is the deck that I brought for today. Um, like I said, I played against Robin yesterday, and it was uh, pretty much play dependent. And uh, yeah, do you, what what did you think uh, playing this Robin? Yeah, like it's a very explosive deck. So when you led on on uh, on a noble hierarch on turn one, and then <laughs> played the bizarre trade mage on turn two. Uh, the game can totally snowball from there because it, it could be like a Vengevine in the grave, maybe a land or something like that, oh, or or and a Rootvala, and then you play the Rootvala, and then you play a Hollow One as well, and trigger the Vengevine, and then the game is practically over from there. So it was it it like we both played very explosive decks, and I think the 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 most <laughs> explosive start on each game. So it was very play and draw dependent, as you said. I did also do some testing uh, the same day as Robin played against the Lance player. Uh, I also sleeved this up uh, against the same player. And uh, there there was a game where I think I just put in, uh, let's see, what was it? Turn turn two, I put in two Vengevines, cast a Hollow One and a Trade Mage on turn two. Uh, like, just... As a lance player, if you don't play the uh, lethal chasm, which I don't think people do anymore, uh, it's not common at least. This is gonna get really hard to manage. Um, I had real problems against Tabernacle, but sometimes I could still power through it, as I could sacrifice the Venge vines and then play two creatures and still attack with them. So yeah, it's a it's a it's a very fun deck. I would definitely recommend uh, everyone to at least try it or convince a friend to sleeve it up to just see how silly it can feel when you let the trade mage resolve on turn two and just watch <laughs> watch their board grow really big and quick. So now you both, both of you, you've brewed uh, sort of creature-centric decks uh, and you mentioned both that you've had uh, I mean, which is obvious in those decks, issues with Tabernacle. Um, <laughs> would you guys consider putting Wastelands in the sideboard to prevent that? Uh, or is that just too inefficient uh, in order to combat the Tabernacle? I actually used to play uh, Wasteland in the main uh, in this deck, especially when Renan 6 was legal. Uh, because the engine there was that you could play the trade mage and discard lands if you didn't have any value uh, cards like uh, Vengevine or Basking Rootwalla. Then you can just discard lands and pick them up with Ren. But since that option has disappeared, uh, I don't know, I might try it. Um, Wasteland is a pretty good card and uh, it might also be worth uh, when I'm really going all in on a very heavy hit. Uh, to wasteland them to make sure that they can't uh, they can't develop and beat it. Yeah, I think that in uh, in the in the mentor deck, the monkey monk, I th there's only the monks that actually require colorless mana, 
all of the other spells are either bolts, plowshares, monks, or cantrips. <laughs> so I think the I, I think I might play Wasteland in such a deck if I can utilize it as uh, uh, a mana in most cases and against like very special lands, just to take them out of it. So it's more of a, not, not a tempo Wasteland, but more of a, a um, Vindicate sort of Wasteland. And I don't think that those... I, I don't think it's possible to play Wasteland with that role in this deck. So maybe if you make the deck more tempo-y with the Daces and Wastelands, then it's possible. But uh, not, not tapping for blue on your sort of combo turn when you need to cantrip is is too big of a cost, I think. And also perhaps if you if you do, as you just said, move more tempo etc., you basically end up in Delver uh, anyway. Yeah, like the... the Adding the Delvers is, is, is really is really close to that. So, yeah. Uh, I have a question for you, Christopher. How did you feel about the, the new cards, the Master of Death and the, the Endurance? Uh, I really I really enjoyed the Master of Deaths in this deck. And, uh, well, just to be able to discard them and then pick them up, um, they also pitch to to force a will. It's uh, they were they were really sweet. Um, I definitely. I thought that I was just adding a meme blue-black squee to the deck, but uh, they actually play out a lot differently. So I really, I really enjoy Master of Death. Uh, to anyone who has seen Endurance, uh, like what it can do and how it plays, it's a busted card, and it's it's for sure. Yeah, it's it's very strong. I'm I I have nothing bad to say against it. Uh, it might be on the fence of being boring slow, <laughs> uh, bo- not boring slow, boring boring strong in power level because a free for flash reach just eats up the majority of legacy. Uh, you can't really hit with uh, Falia safely, uh, your Delver or Dragon's Rage Chandler. It just eats eats them up, and uh, so yeah, I I really enjoyed the the new cards. And uh, out of out of all of the cards that I've been brewing with, um, I I would say that uh, endurance might have been the strongest ones so far for me. I would just like to recognize that uh, Wizards of the Coast uh, seem to have found some way of going back to an original darkness that was sort of present in the lore of Magic the Gathering in the beginning by printing a card that's actually named Master of Death. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I would I would like to recognize that's uh, that's very metal in a very good way. This is very good stuff. Thank you, Christopher. Uh, Victor, you have said that you are less of a brewer and more of a tuner. What have you been tuning for us? I have been tuning a deck that I have always loved uh, and never played. <laughs> I have brewed uh, Tesserator. 
uh, and I have brewed based on uh, the winning deck of the April Swedish Discord League uh, piloted by uh, a person called Joachim Johnson. Um, and this is a deck with Tesseret, uh, Transmute Artifact, Smokestack, and the Abyss. So let's fucking go! I felt <laughs> when, I, when I saw this deck. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna read some of these cards because I think some listeners who might not have been into Legacy for too long will understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> so so first, this deck is called Tesserator, and that's because it's based around a uh, planeswalker uh, called Tesserate, Agent of Bolas, which is from Mirrodin Besieged, uh, if, if I'm not wrong. Uh, so that's a two black blue uh, for a Tesserate planeswalker. That has a plus one. Look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal an artifact card from among them and put into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. Minus one. Target artifact becomes an artifact creature with base, power, and toughness 5-5. Five, five. And minus four. Target player loses X life and you gain X life, where X is twice the number of artifacts you control. And it comes down with three loyalty to begin with. So essentially what this deck does is you ramp out uh, a whole bunch of artifacts, you plus your Tesseret and then you ultimate your Tesseret and drain your opponent for lethal. So why did I choose this deck? I mean, first of all, uh, it's, it's super cool, uh, but I also think uh, there are many different iterations and versions of Tesserator decks. Uh, so it's a deck that really allows you to brew in many different directions. And, and what, what Joachim did with this one, uh, putting cards like Transmute, Artifact, Smokestack and Abyss in it, I thought that was really interesting. So quick rundown of, of the deck list, and I'm going to stop at Modern Horizons 2 cards and explain them <laughs> as well. Uh, four Ancient Tubes, one City of Traitors, uh, four Ursa Saga, which is uh, a new enchantment land. Uh, and it's uh, it's a saga, so it has uh, three uh, three chapters to it. In the first chapter, Ursa Saga gains tap to add uh, a colorless mana. In the second chapter, Ursa Saga gains two and tap, create a zero zero colorless contract artifact creature token. With this creature, gets plus one plus one for each artifact you control. So essentially, it of course creates at least a one one. And in the third chapter, you search a library for an artifact card with mana cost zero or one put it into uh, onto the battlefield and shuffle. Uh, two island, three, uh, five fetches, uh, two sea to the synod, one swamp, two underground sea, one vault of whispers. Uh, that's the mana. And then you have three baleful strix, no, four baleful strix, uh, and three thought monitor, of course, the new super powerful uh, artifact creature construct for six and a blue, <laughs> has affinity for artifacts and flying, uh, when it enters the battlefield, draw two cards. Uh, so in an artifact deck, obviously, this is going to cost not a lot to cast, probably. Uh, three Emery, Lurker of the Loch. Two Transmute Artifacts. Uh, and I'm going to read that one too, because uh, I had to actually look it up. Oracle text for it itself. It's from Antiquity, so this is a very old card. Uh, two blue um, for a sorcery. Sacrifice an artifact. We don't hear that a lot, but you know, sacrifice an artifact. If you do, search a library for an artifact card. If that card's mana value is less than or equal to the sacrificed artifact's mana value, put it onto the battlefield. If it's greater, you may pay a variable colorless where X is the difference. If you do, put it onto the battlefield. If you don't, put it into its owner's graveyard, then shuffle. Uh, so it's a wordy way of basically searching 
swapping an artifact for another one, and you have, and then you can pay the difference uh, or not get the artifact. Uh, four Shadows of the Void, one Crucible of Words, four Karn the Great Creator, four Mishra's Bauble, two Mox Diamond, three Mox Opal, one Smokestack, three Tesseret Agent of Bolas, one The Abyss, and three Trinisphere. This deck packs a lot of fucking value. <laughs> 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 this is seriously just pumping out artifacts either just by themselves being very lowly costly uh, or playing them through your ancient tube seed of traitors and then uh, go to town with either sort of they have a general Karn package so the sideboard is very Karn packagey to begin with and that can just sort of that can just win you games so playing for Karn great creator you can just do really cool stuff but we know all about that uh, but of course, what you want to do is that you want to get your Tesseract into play after a while. I mean, you don't. This is not a combo deck. You don't need to sort of do this on turn three or four. Um, you do this um, sort of slowly. You grind your opponent down. Uh, you have your Baleful Strixes to protect you, your Emery to get your artifacts back. Uh, and there is an interesting sort of combination here, which which is why I um, why I went this route is that the Thought Monitor. Uh, is likely to end up in the graveyard either through transmute artifact sacrifices or you just jump with it because it's not a big body and then you can recast it really cheaply uh, from your graveyard with Embry draw even more cards uh, find your tesserets find your more of your artifacts and uh, make short work of your opponent uh, in the sideboard we have uh, except for the con package, there are two hull breachers, two toxic deluges, uh, and also it has four ley lines of the void in the sideboard because you know this type of deck uh, does not have any counter spells. So if you face reanimator, you sort of need to have some other type of graveyard hate. And because when you have these ley lines, I always try to put one helm of obedience in all of my ley line sideboards if I have a carny great creator because then you can win from nowhere with helm. Helm Leyline combo, which I've I've done. So this is my brew. Uh, not too many of the new cards, but I think the cards that I have uh, fit really well into this. I mean, it looks really strong in my opinion. Uh, one thing that I'm missing, maybe you didn't think about this, but at the thought monitor is like a seven drop, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shouldn't be cool to have like a a, a seven drop haymaker to transmute for. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking about that. I have uh, currently Smokestack is, is the one because it has a uh, mana value of four. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, there, I'm sure there are artifacts for like six, seven mana that can be highly abused here. Uh, Christopher, do you have a suggestion? <laughs> I'm I'm that uh, asshole who sometimes leaves up uh, Mindslaver with welders and just DAC and a lot of stuff. But for this deck, um, one of the things that I think is really cool uh, is uh, the Abyss only kills Emery in your entire deck because it's non-artifact. So your entire deck, it's it's pretty... Uh, Abyss is symmetrical, but not really. And uh, when you just keep on packing uh, heavier and heavier cards, uh, like Tesseret, etc., it's really hard to pressure you with an Abyss in play. And uh, I've been always on the wrong side of an Abyss because I've never <laughs> owned any. But this deck is very sweet. I, I think it's very cool. And uh, it has a lot of play and a lot of, like you said, iterations. Like uh, when I see that uh, Crucible of Worlds, I, I I don't know. 
something something makes me smile. Yeah, yeah, because the Crucible of Words, of course, can recurse Ursa Saga. Yeah, and I, I would love to see one Academy Ruins in this deck also to pick up your Crucible if they manage to get rid of it. Just to really make them feel like they're in this hole that they can't dig out of. The only one problem I have with this deck is that I do not own this deck. And this deck is extremely expensive to put together. Uh, I, I have I have the Karn package, I have chalices and ancient tombs. Um, that's about it. Uh, but then again, since we are in the Stockholm uh, legacy community, I'm pretty sure that I, at some point, will be able to borrow uh, the components for this deck uh, and give it a ride. Uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. So Stockholm, if you're listening, um, I want to borrow these cards from you. Uh, you know you can trust me. Um, I actually have all the, the boomer cards here. <laughs> I have I have the transmutes and the... You have the abyss? Oh, okay. Well, perfect. <laughs> can Power Rangers into a, a big Tesserator robot together and oh, yeah. uh, make it happen. Oh, that's so nice. Well, then that's happening. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, I think that is all we have for today. Uh, we do hope you have enjoyed our time with us. Uh, if someone wants to engage us in a conversation, uh, where can we be found? Christopher, are you on social media? Yes, I have a Twitter account. Um, that's uh, Monolith uh, MTG or at Monolith MTG. Uh, so you can find me there. Um, a lot of times I just shit post. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. No, I, I tend to write about uh, exam anxiety and legacy. So it's a, it's a good time for everybody. So please come and say hi. I, I think uh, a lot of people listening to this podcast can, can identify with either exam anxiety or legacy or both. So, um, you know, go to Christopher for that. Uh, Robin? Yeah, uh, you can uh, find me on Facebook. Uh, my Facebook page is mostly devoted to uh, to legacy and magic. Uh, so I actually write a lot of tournament reports uh, called called my legacy diary <laughs> uh, on Facebook. Yeah, so you can follow me there. And you can find me on Twitter at Disco Drogo. All I have to do now is to say thank you very much to my co-wizards Robin Svensson and Christopher Wikström. My name is Victor Bernards. Until next time, watch out for those monkeys and the robots. Bye-bye. Take care, everybody.